social media goes by really fast if you can see it. So if people don't tag me, they can't, they shouldn't complain that I'm not pushing. Okay, today is going to be a really exciting episode because we're joined by Maxwell Ivy Jr., who is a fully blind man and is known as the blind blogger. We're going to be talking about the importance of um, accessibility, the advantages of leveraging accessibility, and some more perspectives that will make you more aware of uh, what type of audience we're missing out by ignoring. So today we're going to be talking about Maxwell and his story, how he has built a career as a blind man. It's very inspiring and it's great to have him on. He's an international speaker, blind blogger, and talks a lot about accessibility and is a huge advocate for disabled entrepreneurs. So today we're going to be talking about SEO, accessibility, inclusivity and lots more. So if you hear as well a computer talking, that is because Maxwell needs it to communicate with us. So enjoy this episode and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, Maxwell, for joining me on Talking With Experts podcast this week and for encouraging me and supporting me uh, with the growth of the podcast. It, it's uh, much appreciated. And I want to talk to you today about accessibility because uh, you are you are a blind man, but you've, you've been very successful at building a podcast and as a blogger. And I'd like to get your perspective on how we as business owners or aspiring entrepreneurs can make our business more accessible to uh, disabled people and um, blind people like yourself. So thank you so much for joining me. Please please describe yourself and what your main expertise is, and then we can kick start that way. Okay. Worst question you can ask me is main expertise, because you've followed me long enough to know that I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> uh, but I am a totally blind former carnival owner, uh, now amusement equipment broker who has, through no intent or fault of his own, has become an inspirational self-help author, a motivational speaker, an online media publicist, a podcast host at What's Your Excuse, and now the founder of the WYE Network, where I'm helping other people with disabilities either launch a brand new podcast or help them uh, grow the audience of an existing show. And people can find me at theblindblogger.net or at wyexcuse.com. Uh, so that that is a little bit about me and you ask about accessibility. So I think we need to talk about uh, giving people a reason. You know, Nietzsche once said, if you can, if you have a big enough why, you can manage any house. So let's throw a few numbers out at people and hopefully we can start from a place of, dang, we got to get those people on our website as opposed to, man, I hate having to do accessibility. Why <laughs> do I have to do this? So, yes. so, let's talk, so let's talk about it. Depending on who you believe, 15 to 30% of the world has a disability. The difference comes as to whether and whether or not and how you include non-visible disabilities like mental illness, autism, ADHD, et cetera. But if we just go with 15%, that means currently there are over a billion people in the world who suffer from some form of a disability, be that vision loss, hearing loss, uh, loss of limbs, uh, injury through uh, battlefield or through accidents or just through sheer, they weren't thinking it through at the moment. 
So think about that. That's over a billion people in the world. That's a pretty good sized audience, I would think. Yes. You know, and for the most part, you know, for the most part, the business world really doesn't know we exist. They Mm. still don't understand the power of, of the market that we represent. Now, there's one other thing they don't understand about our market, and this is something I really try to explain to people because I think this is the more important part. It's not the numbers. You know, I would tell people on social media, it's not your number of followers, it's your reach. How many people Mm. are taking action? Well, I believe if we could document it, that as a rule, people with disabilities are more loyal consumers. If you show us that you care about our business, if you provide a product or a service that we need in a way that we can easily use it, we are going to be the most loyal customers out there. Yes, that's true. And there are even, there are many cases where we overpay for products because the, the manufacturer has shown us they care about our business. And that's something that's really important. You know, they say it's, it's uh, it's a lot cheaper to uh, to keep existing clients than it is to find brand new ones. Well, once we like somebody, we tend to stick with them unless they do something to tick us off, and then mm. we will run we will run screaming the other direction and tell everybody we know as we get there. So we are very well consumers. We are also very dedicated and loyal employees for people that are entrepreneurs that are thinking about. You know, I need to hire somebody to perform a particular service, whether that's an employee, a staff member, or a consultant. As a rule, people with disabilities are generally more grateful for the opportunity, more dedicated, and more loyal to the person that they contract with. So that's another thing to consider if you're an entrepreneur. But let's go, you know, go back to the to the loyalty. And like I said, we do overpay. I hear women complain about the pink tax and I tell them, look, you ain't seen nothing. We'll talk, let's talk about the disability tax. (laughs) You know, uh, so that that's, and that's one thing. That's what I want. want you guys to, and ladies to be thinking about is if people will pay more because you've shown an interest in making lives of people with disabilities easier so they could use your product or service, just imagine how easy it will be to get them to pay you what you're charging everybody else on a more consistent basis. Yeah, and, and even sh- showing that you care for disabled people will, would, um, you know, for, for non-disabled people, they would go, oh, wow, he's, he's actually taking, or she or they are taking interest in helping disabled people. Then the, the non-disabled people would go, yes, we, we want to be loyal customers as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I've noticed where there are big corporations who are really concerned about making sure people know that they are supportive of African-American causes. Mm -hmm. They're very big on making sure people now know that they are supportive of LGBTQ causes. But you hardly ever see a national campaign where somebody wants to make sure that that, that you know that they care about the cause of people with disabilities. No, they don't really. I mean, the last one I, yeah, the, the last two I can think of is Lego got a big splash when they started saying they were going to put Braille on the Legos. And that kind of fizzled because it turned out that their plan was to initially only offer the Braille Legos in classrooms. 
and use them as a teaching aid as opposed to making Braille Legos available throughout the world. And that was really a big miss on Legos part because what they forgot is that there's a lot of us big kids that enjoy playing with those Lego toys more than the little kids do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it's a timeless toy really it's yes yes it is it is a very timeless toy and i wouldn't be surprised if there are people passing on their their lego box their boxes of legos to their kids and grandkids and who knows maybe even some of them playing together the other one and i forget the name of the soap company because they stopped running the ad but there was a there was a one of the one of the uh, bar soap companies ran a brilliant ad where they talked about how smooth the soap was how it didn't irritate the skin and stuff and the point they made was their their actress was a blind woman and she talked about how you know her her skin is her senses are so much more attuned that you know that the fact that she hardly noticed the feel of this soap on her skin was a testimony and that was i thought was a very well done campaign mm. but it's it's been a long time since you know since it went away but um uh but if we want to talk about, I think the guy who, of course, he's not around anymore, but the guy who did this the best is, of <laughs> course, Steve Jobs. Yeah. Because what was it? What is it like 15 years ago now? He decided they were going to put screen readers on the iPod 4. And then after he did that, he decided, you know, we're going to put screen readers and screen magnification on every device we build from now on. Mm. Now, at the time, he had no clue that text-to-speech was going to become something that sighted people are using more than blind people now you know <laughs> yeah, that's he, true. he had no idea he just saw it I, this is what i believe i've yet to read it in a past interview because he did so many um he saw the fact that the world was getting older that as a population were aging and he felt like in the future there would be a need for just people growing old who needed the text-to-speech or who needed the screen magnification. Uh, but he was, you know, very bold. People thought that was totally insane, you know, and the fact that they were going to spend millions of dollars to create the code for the text-to-speech engine right alongside creating the code for the operating system and the software that would run on the operating system that was just nuts i mean and as it is right now there are three screen reader companies i won't go into them but the one for for apple is built into the operating system because they're still true to jobs original idea mm -hmm. the one the the two options for windows are third-party add-ons one of them is a free open source add-on the other one is a very expensive third-party add-on and the majority of the blind community has switched to apple to mac to to ios <clears throat> and windows is still trying to develop their own screen reader application which has yet to be anywhere near what we what we want or need it to be so he did this years ago and over the course of time we have we now have alexa we have google we have siri mm -hmm. and i think it's crazy that you know jobs spent all the money to develop these artificial intelligence, you know, Siri was their thing. And then they did absolutely nothing to win on the application side of which, which, which is where the real money is, as we're starting to see because all the new refrigerators and toasters and microwaves yeah. <laughs> and washers, are, they all have Alexa on them. So, I mean, 
you know, it, it's one, it's great, it's great to create the, the hardware, or the software, but then you really have to leverage it in the application or the royalties. So, you know, years ago they did this thing. They really didn't know how big it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And like I say, now <clears throat> with the iOS devices, we have more sighted people, you know, depend depending on the screen readers than we do blind people, and that's probably an exaggeration, but you know. Who would have thought, you know, GPS, the idea of a talking GPS, which was something originally developed specifically for blind people. The first use, the first company was called Trekker. And it's one of those things, well, wait a minute, if we put this in cars, people driving around will be safer. Yeah. You know, so there are, there are so many opportunities where if you create something with the entire market in, in mind, and I understand sometimes you have to niche down, sometimes you have to segment in order to get your product out there into the world. But if you approach things from a more global mindset, like they did, mm-hmm. and go, this, this seems like something we should be doing, then you, know, you just don't really ever know what's gonna happen with it. And so- yeah. And you don't overlook, you don't look, you don't overlook a really large audience. So from our perspective, if we want to, make our business more accessible what do you think we should do in terms of our web design let's start with web design yeah i'm sorry you let me ramble there a bit <laughs> you're gonna have to watch that um okay i i this is this is personal preferences and some of it has been proven out through talks at word at WordCamp, which is uh wordpress is one of the most accessible platforms out there and they really try at it so i to me the first place to start is number of items on your homepage. Uh, uh, I would much rather have fewer items. And then when I click an item, a new tab or new page opens and I go from there. Mm -hmm. I find that the more items there are on a page, the more, the more daunting it is to navigate that page with a screen reader. So, so that would be my first thing. Try to limit the number of items on any one page. And then just, you know, follow the normal progression from, you know, from, from, uh, from, one, from one page to what would normally be on that page. That's, uh, and that actually plays more into people using screen magnification than it does even to people using a screen reader like I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing that we talked about before we went live is most people using a screen reader do not have the ability to generate a mouse click. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to put something on your website that requires them to click a mouse, then you need to find some way to offer a, an equivalent, a keyboard command, or to just try to avoid using them in the first place. Mm -hmm. I can sometimes simulate a mouse click, but that's not reliable. Uh, the next thing I would say is, of course, always add the description tags, but not just to your images, but also to your, your buttons and your links. I can't tell you how aggravating it is to go to a website and have seven links and every single link has the exact same name. And so I have to, I'm reduced to, you know, the old counting steps thing, you know, you click mm-hmm. one button and find out where that takes you. And then, okay, yeah. next oh, time I'm, this, I'm on this one. Next time I'm on this website, I have to remember that link three goes to their contact me page or whatever. Mm. So, so not just not just images, but uh, but links and buttons need to be labeled 
if you're going to use a form program to, to collect information from your visitors, make sure you reach out to somebody and have them test it or make sure you use one that is well tested because there's a difference between being able to use something and being able to use something with enjoyment. And to me, that's the difference between usability and accessibility. Yeah. To me, accessibility is that whole other standard where I don't really have to think about it in order to follow along with everybody else. So uh, I love Google Forms. Um, for some reason, Google Forms is horrible on the back end, but on the front end, it works great. The same thing with Calendly. It's, it's horrible on the back end, but on the front end, it works great. <laughs> Yeah, it's another example of companies that don't expect us blind people to be using their mm. their stuff for our businesses, but they do expect us to use it when we're dealing with other people. That's all mm. I can figure. Yeah. So, and you know, we I talked about earlier how people don't realize the size of the market. So, one thing that I try to try to do whenever I can is to illustrate times where accessibility is actually directly tied to somebody's traffic or to their potential income and to me alternative text descriptions is the perfect example for this because for years i would tell webmasters you got to describe your images you got to describe your and they would just go yeah that sounds good but it's yeah just more troubling. it's too but, tedious but mm. when i started telling them you do realize that google siri bing alexa and all these other cats are, are indexing your alt image descriptions they're like what you mean I'm missing out on potential web traffic because I'm not putting those alt text tags up there for you? I said, that's exactly right. <laughs> and once I started saying, you know, you're missing potential traffic from uh, from sighted people because you're not describing your images, it the the whole discussion just totally flipped on its head. So, mm. so <clears throat> in terms of alt text, what what should go in the for, for an image? So, uh, are you just describing the image, or would you put a URL in that. What's your? Oh, okay. uh, I would. I position. would never put a. I would never put a URL in the in the description. That's just me. Uh, but I think the most important thing is to try to put yourself in the position of the, of the person that would be looking at that image if they could see it, and then think to yourself, what is the most important thing they need to know about this picture. Because a lot of times people will add descriptive terms trying to get across the, the color of the sky or the, mm. the, the size of the, the shape of the eyes or the color of the clothing. But really, what is the point of that image? I mean, like, if I go to a website and I can see it, you're going to put images up there that encourage me to either click the next button, read the rest of your post, sign up for your offering. You know, that's the point of your images. So just like with any other audience, I want to hear something in the image that compels me to want to go farther down the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So don't don't be really vague with the description. Yeah. And it's not like 10 years ago where you're going to get penalized for an overly long description. I mean, there was a time where if your description went over so many characters, you, you could get on Google's bad side for it. Mm hmm. That's something but that's considered. But that's been but that's been years ago. I mean, that's okay. You know, that's like back when you couldn't put when you couldn't put dashes and spaces in uh, in file names because the uh, because the HTML wouldn't accept them. You know, so long time ago.
Yeah, and you're a coder as well. You taught yourself how to yeah. code, so that's that's incredible. Yeah, let's <laughs> just say you know I said there's a difference between usability and accessibility. There's a difference between making people laugh and being a comedian. There's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference between being able to code your website and calling yourself a coder. <laughs> uh, I will never be called a coder, but I did run my website. Like you say, I taught myself through w3c.org school yep. and I ran that website for over five years. And I, I don't, don't exaggerate somewhere between a million and 2 million lines of code over five years. And, you know, after a while, and for those, for those coders who have always wondered about this, but have never asked me, uh, it isn't any harder or less difficult to code with a screen reader than looking at it. It's just the things that start to wear on your mind are different. Um, my brother, my brother used to tell me that when he codes, the less than and greater than's eventually start to look like rhombuses. And and I tell him that I never ran into that problem. But the thing is, is if you can't look at the screen and scan, when when you leave a character out and break a page, then it can take you a lot longer to find the thing that you that you left out. And so you have to be really focused, really careful. And it's just a big pain in the butt to have to go character by character and listen yeah. to each as, as opposed to just being able to read it, which is why, you know, I give thanks every every day that WordPress came along and that my good friend uh, Ashley Fox from uh, madlemmings.com convinced me that I could use WordPress and then showed me how to use WordPress and then even migrated a big chunk of my website over to WordPress. So, Incredible. but yeah, was, yeah, there's some great people out there who will help you along if you let them or if you ask them, but you know, that requires being vulnerable and letting people know that you need their help. Something that's a lot easier for me than it is for other people. So, mm -hmm. but, but, you know, back to accessibility, Consistency in websites is very important. It's it's one thing to update a website because you've noticed something that's seriously wrong with the website. It's another thing to update a website just because you feel like it would look prettier or somebody told you that this is now the flavor of the month in creating a website, so you should mm -hmm. change. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you're gonna do it, and this is something I actually went through with a with a website owner recently. I'm not going to mention their names because I don't want to get I don't want to I don't want to get on anybody's bad side. But yeah, if you are going to update your website often, and you know, or you're you know, or you're fairly certain that you have some visually impaired users on your mailing list, or you have some uh, people who have uh, hearing loss, or they're using screen magnification then please just send us an email and go, hey, Max, we're changing the uh, format of these URLs from dashes to underscores. Mm -hmm. Now, on the surface, that may not sound like a big deal, but if you're used to it being with dashes and it's been with dashes for two years and uh, you've got all of that stuff saved in your browser history or your, your bookmark session, having to you know, then change it all from from dashes to underscores is actually a big deal. <clears throat> and sometimes it can take me quite a while to find the updated website or the updated page or, you know, perfect example. And people are going to think I'm exaggerating this, but this is the truth. Uh, mm -hmm. A year or so ago, Twitter moved the new tweet button from the 
top right to the bottom left of the screen on the iOS devices. And for probably 12 or 14 hours, I couldn't post a new tweet because I couldn't find the darn button. Oh and, my goodness. And then somebody finally mentioned it on their Twitter feed. And I was like, thank goodness, because I was lost. And so I could still, you know, I could I could still reply and retweet, but I couldn't post a new tweet. It was very aggravating. Mm. And, you know, Twitter's a huge company. They have to know they've got more than a few of us folks on their platform. They could have just posted something on their feed. They could they have all of our email addresses. They could have just sent something out an email blast, you know, telling people that they're gonna update the iOS device. But that's just something most developers, most uh, website owners, they just don't think about stuff like that. They're and usually it's it's you know, I've got to get this done now. Yeah. The website looks like garbage, I've got to update it now, or this is a problem that has to be fixed right this second and you know, and fixing the problem is more important than maintaining the accessibility. And, and that's another thing about accessibility. Yeah. Uh, no matter. Great. Some great, some great points there. Sorry, Max. Um, All right. So, so I know you mentioned Twitter and them making changes. I think it's, it's got to be our responsibility uh, as business owners or aspiring entrepreneurs uh, to, to fix our website. So it's accessibility accessible for you and user friendly so really some really strong points there uh, are there any other things that you'd like to mention that we could change on our website or not even not even thinking about websites now is there anything else that we could do in our business to improve uh, accessibility okay i i think this is probably broader than accessibility but i mean think about this if you have a new product or a new service. Uh, what is the first thing you're going to do? Or even before you're going to bring it out, you're going to try to find out if it's something your existing following even is interested in. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the best place for people to start would be, you know, back to the beginning, realizing the value of us as consumers and then thinking, okay, instead of assuming this will be accessible to them, or instead of, assuming this is something they would want or need, then why just, why not just, do, why not just ask them, you know? Yeah. So I would say, try, <laughs> I would say, you know, you have a great opportunity here. I can introduce people to other people with disabilities. So start to, to, uh, uh, start to reach out and add a few people who are different than you to your community, whether that be your social media community or your email list or just your Rolodex or your contacts list for those people who don't remember what a Rolodex is. <laughs> uh, and, and then, you know, when you start to come out with a new thing, you can go, Hey, I'm going to do this new thing. Would you like to try it out? Um, just, uh, just this week, I'm part of a Facebook group called brains magazine and the owner is doing something new with a press release uh, thing. They're going to offer people and it's going to be a paid service. And I, I sent her a message and I said, you know, before you launch this, you really should have somebody test it to see if it's going to be friendly for people with screen readers to use this device. And I got a message in my inbox on Facebook saying, here's the link, Max, go over and try it out. Let me know what you think about it. So, right. you know, you know, that's, that's really, I think where all this starts, you know, make yourself open to the possibility of having friends who have a disability or of not refusing to be friends with people, you know, not shying away from mm. 
those those people when you meet them online or when you meet them at events and you know just being open to building those relationships like you would do in any other aspect of your business and then when you do have a question about accessibility you know if you do or like <clears throat> if i did this would it make you more likely or less likely to buy this upcoming launch mm. then you can do that you know and then the really cool thing is if you're building relationships if you're asking for help from people like me then as you know from your personal experience when it comes time for that launch to happen i'm going to be out here pushing you know yeah. my my friends who happen to be blind or deaf or in a wheelchair they're all going to be pushing because they're going to really want you to succeed and that goes back again to you know to the loyalty of us as a community so build the relationships, ask for help, ask lots of stupid questions. Even if we tell you they're stupid, <laughs> just keep, just keep at Hey, that's how I learned how to hand code HTML. I just kept asking questions till somebody sent me to W3C, you know, but you have to ask those questions. You have to be willing to, you know, to look a little silly sometimes and, you know, maybe get your feelings hurt a couple of times, but eventually you can get there. So build relationships, ask questions, become friends, and then, like I say, when it's time, when, when, you're, when you're ready to launch that product or when you're, you know, when you absolutely need to have a new customer or a new client, you could go, hey, let's, let's promote let's, this website. Let's have some Maxwell. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so are, there, are there any, well, maybe just one more question then. Uh, what are <laughs> your bit? Yeah. <laughs> Stupid question, maybe. What are your uh, frustrations? Uh, main frustrations? Um, main frustrations, I think, are with uh, inconsistency, uh, continuous updates of, of apps and uh, a software. But the most important one is people who, even after you explain it all to them, they're still like, uh, there's no reason for me to care. Yeah. So that is the worst of it. I mean, it's, it's one thing. If, if somebody is resistant, we can have a conversation and I can try to explain to them the financial and social benefits of, of including people. That's cool. And if at the end of the day they go, you know, it's not something I can do right now or something, not something I can do myself, then we can always work with that. But if it's just like, no, nah, I've heard what you're saying, Max, and um, I just ain't going to do it. You know, that's, um, that's, that's a lack of that's, respect. Yeah, it is. It is a lack of respect for me as a person for, uh, for my business as well as for the community. And I, I, again, find it interesting that people, and I think that's, you know, I just really had an idea there, you know, that when it comes to the, when it comes to race, when it comes to gender, for the most part, people are scared of offending those groups, mm. but I have yet to run across anybody that's as scared of offending the visually impaired or the, or the disability community. And of course, part of that is, they just don't realize how, how many there are of us out here. But part of it is also we're a segmented community. Mm -hmm. There is, I, I spoke at an event called Disability Insight two years ago in Pennsylvania. It was the first time I was at an event in my life. And I'm 55 years old now. Where there, where there were multiple disabilities represented at the same event. We generally don't do that. And I have to tip my hat to my friend, Amy Bovard, who's an author and a speaker and an event organizer for you know, for being willing to try something like that, because it just doesn't happen. You know, mm. generally the people with vision loss advocate for people with vision loss. Generally people that are paraplegics and quadriplegics do the same. So that's part, that's another part of the problem. People just don't realize, don't realize the size of the community, but then 
we aren't one single community. So that, that does kind of work against, but you know, people are not scared of losing our business. They should be, uh, they aren't. And I really, you know, part of me is kind of happy because I hate to do things from a point of view of fear. <laughs> but part of me is like, I would once like to go to a store and have them be afraid that, uh, that they might end up on YouTube or Facebook if they didn't treat me better. You know, I, every once in a <laughs> while, I, that's, that's not the way I like to do things. I like to do things with a handshake and a smile and maybe a hug, maybe a yeah. joke, you know, I like to get my way, you know, through, through, uh, through friendship and uh, discussion as opposed to, you know, throwing, throwing myself down on the floor and screaming at people. So, but every once in a while, it would be nice for, you know, for somebody to just go, we really need their business. And we're yeah. really, we're at the point where we can't afford to not have their business. And I hope that if any of anything I've said today, I really think that that would be, that would be so amazing. And if at least one person listening and watching would say to themselves, I can't afford not to have Max's business, mm. you know, or I can't afford to, not to have the business of that billion people that he's part of this worldwide community of people with various disabilities. Yep. Yep. I 100% agree with you. Um, so tell me a little bit about the, uh, what's your, the, what's your excuse podcast. Okay. I interview people who have overcome adversity or thrived in spite of difficult life circumstances. It's a honest storytelling. And we sometimes have people on there who I am personally interested in or have been inspired by. And, uh, we call the show, what's, what's your excuse? Because so many people over the years have said, if Max can do it, then what's my excuse? And yeah. So that's where it all comes from. That's also where the WYE comes from in the podcast network. And I really enjoy being able to have conversations. And I try to keep it a, a little more general than strictly disability, because there are so many great stories of people who you know, their, their lives started off very difficult, whether that be poverty, uh, ethnic, you know, being from, being from very bad neighborhoods, uh, you know, growing up in, uh, in difficult family situations. There are so many trials that people live with and that they continue to, to overcome. And I just enjoy sharing as many of those stories as I can. And, uh, you know, then we also have the, the WYE network, which, of course, is uh, off of the What's Your Excuse brand that we're slowly building, even though I never planned on, I never planned on having a brand, much less four of them. So, but the, <laughs> you're doing well. The, yeah, I know, I know. But <laughs> the, the WYE thing is, is partly because it fits, but partly because all the cool What's Your Excuse websites were taken. And uh, my friend Alex Sanfilippo and his wife, Alicia Sanfilippo, who are wonderful people, and uh, they're doing great things with their website, Podmatch. Uh, she's like, Max, why don't you do like a lot of the cool kids are doing now and just leave out some of the letters? So uh, she, did a, she did a search and found out that wyexcuse.com was available. And so we're there now. And so far, the network has two podcasts on it. Mine, What's Your Excuse? And Shredding for Gold, which is hosted by Emily Trepinier. This poor Texan has to focus when he says a Canadian name. <laughs> but Emily Trepinier, who is a blind snowboarder from Canada, who is working to get uh, blind snowboarding 
accepted by the Paralympic Committee, and then of course end up being the first woman to win gold in the event. Uh, yeah, I, I found it interesting that there is a, a category in the Paralympics for people who don't have lower limbs or upper limbs snowboarding, but for some reason there is not a snowboarding category for people who are visually impaired. So mm. she's working on that and she's one of these really crazy people. She's into snowboarding and paddleboarding and rock climbing and, you know, just living totally her best out. life. Yes. Yeah. I, I joked with her the other day. I said, you know, I said, you are the outdoor adventurer. I'm the online adventurer. We are a perfect team, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So, so and thank I, you. Oh, sorry. So thank you for your time today, Maxwell. Uh, I'd like to give you the floor to tell people how they can get in contact with you and uh, listen to the What's Your Excuse podcast. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Uh, of course, you can find anything I'm doing at theblindblogger.net. You can send an email to just ask at theblindblogger.net. I do enjoy meeting new people from these conversations and I hope you will reach out to me and either say, Hey, Max, I saw you on Chris's show and you were great. Or I saw you on his show and you just don't have the first clue. Either way, we can start a conversation and see where we might be able to help each other. And I really don't want to be one of those people you have to be ready to hire by or, or, or consult with in order to talk to. So I look forward to meeting some of y'all. Again, theblindblogger.net. The podcast network is wyexcuse.com. You can also ask Alexa or Google or Siri to play What's Your Excuse? Because we do have the actual invocation. So on any of those devices, just ask her and she will play the latest episode for you. Uh, the new podcast, Shredding for Gold, is also on Apple. And there will soon be a wy excuse channel on apple so y'all be able to find the current podcast and the future ones <clears throat> um if you have any question about accessibility the what it's like to be a visually impaired entrepreneur just any type of question in general please just ask i'd much rather answer an awkward question than to make y'all guess <laughs> and and uh trust me it's it's messy uh and if and if y'all know i mean most everybody that's listening to this knows at least one person that is living with a disability of some kind, whether it's a visible disability or an invisible one. If you know them well enough, you're, you're aware of it. I really want to add at least one new podcaster a month. I want to grow this network so that I can help bring attention to these people who have great ideas, great stories, great content, but they either aren't getting the attention on their own they have an existing podcast and nobody's listening yet, or they're just overwhelmed by the whole process of launching their own show. So if you know somebody, tell them about Max, tell them to come check out the website and the, uh, and the podcast network. And I will really uh, be their guide. I won't be able to do everything for them, but I will definitely help them figure out if they are the right kind of person to have a show help them do the problem solving, the creative stuff that helps you get past all those roadblocks in your mind to where you can actually launch a show. And also, if you know somebody who has a passion to spotlight the lives of people with disabilities, tell them to get a hold of me as well. I, I feel like this podcast network may finally be the one thing 
that everything I've done before now has led up to, and it mm. can be, and it, and it can be that one thing that is really all I do. Because as you know, Chris, I have been so many things and continue to do so many things at this point in my life, but I've yet to find that one thing, you know. And maybe there isn't just one thing for somebody like me who has learned he is comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> but I still have to hope, you know, that this could be the thing that not only could it be financially successful could be emotionally satisfying but it could occupy my time and thoughts and energy to to the blocking out of everything else that's what i hope for i mean and i, I look forward to hearing people's opinions on anything i've said any questions as i mentioned and y'all can go over to the blindblogger.net or email me at just ask at the blindblogger and uh, chris i just want to say one more thing before i finish go for it uh, I've been doing interviews for over eight years now. I was putting myself out online by having conversations like this before it became a, the end thing to do because it was the only way I could connect with people. Mm -hmm. I am totally blind living in a suburb of Houston with very limited transit opportunities. So this was my way of connecting with the world. But without people like you, Chris, I wouldn't have been able to get myself out there. People wouldn't know who I am. There wouldn't be a the blind blogger or what's your excuse or any of this other stuff without people like you, Chris. So I just want to let you know how much I appreciate you and how important you are to my continuing journey. And uh, hopefully we will uh, find out together what is in store for Max and Chris from here on. Amazing. That really warms my heart. And uh, thank you. you. You gave me goosebumps. Uh, yeah, it means a lot. And I'm glad you appreciate um, me reaching out and having you on a podcast. It's been fun. You've made me smile. And yeah, you've made me laugh. You're very, you're a funny guy. You've, you've inspired me. Keep doing what you're doing. And I'm sure that there's going to be lots more from both of us in the future uh, working Thank together. You. Yeah, and you, you keep doing what you're doing as well. And if y'all are watching this and y'all are listening to this, please leave him a rating. Review his podcast. Share it with your social media. It only takes like, I think in 60 seconds, you can post this to all three of the major social media networks. So help the guy push. Thank you, Maxwell, for joining me today. And thanks to all who listened. I hope that this episode widened your perspective a little bit. And uh, I hope you can take this forward in your business and make it a little bit more accessible for your disabled peers. If it has given you some food for thought or you want to ask Maxwell to have a look at your website or have a look at your online presence then I'm sure he would be happy to help you in return you will be helping many other of his disabled peers so please reach out to them by going to the blindblogger.net or Maxwell Ivy on LinkedIn thank you very much and I'll speak to you next week